I, you know, of these 20 or so people, I probably talked to about, I don't know, two or three of them now. I mean, this was, my goodness, this was, when was, when was Katrina? It was many years ago, right? So I might, you know, there's a couple that I'm in touch with. A lot of them I kind of, I'm, I'm friends on, with on Facebook, but most I just, I haven't kept up with. Is that because I don't care about them? Well, no, not at all. It's because we just aren't together, and so we don't have those rhythms of connection. And I'm old enough to know at this point that that's kind of how life goes. Uh, I'm in my 40s, and so I've seen a lot of iterations of this, right? So you start out in school, and you have these people that you're around every day, and you build these relationships with them, and they're like your best friends, and we imagine that these are the people we're going to be with forever. And then you graduate, and maybe you get a job, or maybe you go to college, and you kind of develop these other networks. And, and then maybe you join some, you know, you're, you're like part of a group of people who goes hiking. Or maybe you have kids, and you're in, in all these youth sports, and you begin to build relationships with other parents. And we come to find that relationships need rhythms. They need rhythms of connection in order to build intimacy. Now, certainly some of you would be like, well, wait, you know, me and my high school best friend, we still talk. And that's great, but if you still have a relationship with him or her, you probably have some rhythm of connection that you've kept up over the years. Even if it's a once-a-year call, there's some kind of rhythm that has enabled you to maintain that relationship because relationships require rhythms. And the closer you are, the more consistency you need in those rhythms, the more you need rhythms to continue to build on that intimacy, to build that relationship. We are continuing a series that we've been in that we're calling Expand. In this series, we're following Jesus in Luke's biography, the Gospel of Luke, and we're learning specifically what it means to, to learn from and to grow as we follow Jesus. Not to kind of just stay the same as we've always been and, and develop some new ideas, but to actually become different kinds of people, people whose lives reflect the character of Christ. Now, as we continue this week, we're going to talk about religion. Now, a lot of us don't have great associations with that word, uh, for good reason. In fact, as a church, it's a little weird, I should say, for, for me to even talk about religion in this way, uh, because we're kind of a church that's established on the fundamental understanding that lots of people have been turned off by religion, and in fact, that Jesus, one of the primary things he came to do was get rid of these kind of stodgy religious systems and set us free to have a relationship with God. I mean, early on in our, our years as a church, if you were to come to our website on our landing page, the first thing you would see is like someone, kind of an, an exit sign, someone walking out a door and the statement, has religion turned you off? Uh, our tagline as a church is we're a church for people who aren't into church. So we are pretty, pretty on board with the religion is not what Jesus is all about. And yet, here we are, right? Like, we're, we're gathering to worship we're singing songs. Uh, you're listening to me, I assume, if you're here. Uh, at least you're one of the things you're doing right now is listening to me. Um, we're praying. We're, we're gathering to read scripture in our 40-day gospel reading thing, right? Like, we're doing these kinds of religious things. So we're not into religion, but we kind of are. So what's that all about? Well, religion, after all, is, is simply a, a system. It's, it's a framework of belief of faith, of practice. 
And that's not inherently bad. In fact, it's necessary because, you know, you've probably heard people say, uh, we're creatures of habit. And that's really true. Like, you and I are actually wired to be shaped by our rhythms, by our habits, more so even than our beliefs. I love how James Clear in his book, Atomic Habits, says it. He says this, Every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. So rhythms aren't just good, they're necessary. Particularly if we're going to change. If, if you want to change who you are, you have to change what you do. You need to adjust the rhythms of your life because that is, in the end, what's going to shape you. And so, in some ways, we can't get around the fact that we are religious creatures. We're people who need rhythms and practices to shape us. And yet, Jesus was pretty, he was pretty harsh when it came to dealing with the religious folks. The people whose job it was to kind of oversee the religious practices of the day, they got kind of the toughest side of Jesus. Like, when you read the stuff that you're like, ooh, Jesus said that to people? Generally speaking, he's talking to the religious folks. So what's that all about? Well, well uh, what tends to happen for us is uh, you look at the, you know, what happened in the Old Testament is this great story of what happens to all people at all times. In the Old Testament, we get this picture of God who comes to this people, chooses to live in relationship with them. And as they emerge from like four centuries of slavery, he gives them these rhythms of life laws to teach them what it means to be people, how to understand what it means to be an actual person who bears the image of God, how to think about themselves, how to live in relationship with their creator, how to live as a community together, and how to live with their neighbors. They don't know how to do that. They've been in slavery forever, right? And so they, they don't know what it means to be human. And so God gives them these laws, these rhythms to teach them, to set them free to actually be fully human in relationship with God, with themselves, with their community, and with their neighbors. But as we tend to do, these rhythms that were given as a gift get codified into rules. And when rhythms become rules, and rules become a religion, they don't set us free, they oppress us. And, and this is what began to happen, right? They, they set up these rules and these structures that didn't set the people free to know God, know themselves, know their neighbors, but oppressed them. It kind of kept them from actually being free. This is what Jesus rails against. We're going to read uh, one of these instances, one of my favorite ones, in Luke uh, chapter 6 today. So if you have a Bible with you, whether it's on, on your phone or, or you have one of these old-fashioned ones, um, you can turn to Luke chapter 6. Uh, if you don't, we'll have the scripture right up here, somewhere in here, uh, on the screen, and you can read along. So this is from Luke chapter 6, verse 1. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples broke off heads of grain, rubbed off the husks in their hands, and ate the grain. But some Pharisees said, Why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus replied, Haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests can eat. He also gave some to his companions. And Jesus added, The Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. 
On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward. Then Jesus said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or to destroy it? He looked around at them one by one and then said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. So Jesus gets into a little bit of trouble with religious folks. Um, now, let's talk particularly about the Sabbath. So this is the, the, the rhythm that had become a rule that had become oppressive for the people that Jesus was now addressing. The Sabbath was given as a gift. If you heard Mike reading earlier from Deuteronomy, this is the Sabbath is, remembering the Sabbath day is one of the Ten Commandments. So that Deuteronomy chapter 5, that's the Ten Commandments. So like the big ten. The Sabbath is a big deal, right? You make the top ten of anything, and you're kind of, you're, you're important, right? So Sabbath is number five of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So why is that so important? So the Sabbath day is this day of rest, one day out of seven, where people would cease from their work. And if you remember from the passage that Mike read, what was the framework for that? Well, again, here were people coming out of slavery. Slaves don't rest. At least they don't get to rest when they want. Slaves work all the time. And so here are these people who have, for generations, been nothing but slaves, where they've been told their life, their meaning is about working to serve their masters. And what does God do? He creates a rhythm of rest to remind them that they are first and foremost not slaves. They're humans. They're people. Rest is a gift. Freedom. To be fully alive. So God gives them this gift, this rhythm of rest. And what happens? Well, over the, the generations, as we always do, we decide we need a way to determine who's really in with God, who's really right, and who's not? And so it gets codified into religious practice and rules where we determine this is a mark of faithfulness, whether or not you actually rest when you're supposed to rest. But it's not enough to just say that because what is rest really? Rest to you versus rest to me, who knows? And so then religious scholars had to do some work to determine what exactly was, was qualified as rest. And so they determined that things like healing people you know, uh, making food, those kinds of things, you couldn't do those on the Sabbath day because it's not really rest. And so these kinds of additional rules got layered on top of what was intended to be a gift to the people. And it ultimately became an oppressive rule. Where in this moment where Jesus' desire to heal this person actually butted up against the law. The religion said, no, 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 if you really want to be faithful to God, you can't heal today. Heal tomorrow. You could have healed yesterday. Not today. And Jesus, I can only imagine Jesus, who is God in the flesh, hearing this and just being astounded. Really? Really? That's what you think this is about. They turned this gift of rhythm, this thing that was intended to be a barrier 
or I'm sorry, a blessing into a barrier, right? So the blessing became a barrier. The thing that was supposed to propel people towards a more full picture of who they were in relationship with God and others became a barrier to entry. I love how Mark, so you'll find as, hopefully you're reading through the Gospels with us. If you aren't, uh, one of the things you'll find as you read through these different biographies is similar or the same instances told from different angles, right? And so Mark in his Gospel tells this same story from a different angle. And he adds something that Jesus says that for whatever reason Luke did not add. In Mark chapter 2, verse 27 to 28, we read this. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. So the Sabbath is given as a gift for people. But people flip it and say that it's the job of people to live up to the requirements of the Sabbath. We get it backwards. Instead of the Sabbath serving us, we serve the Sabbath. We've become slaves again, right? We've become slaves who have to serve the master of religion, who have to, to meet its requirements. And what it tends to do as we turn these rhythms into religion and these blessings into barriers is that it, it actually results in the opposite point. Uh, the point is of these rhythms is to put us into relationship with God and others. And what this does is it actually separates us. Right? It makes God seem like this distant, exacting master, and we're simply servants. And it creates this division between those of us who are determining who's really keeping the rules. Are you keeping the rules? Am I keeping the rules? Do I want to keep the rules? Only the rule keepers get in after all, so who is that? And it begins to separate us from each other, from God. And then it also helps create this self-judgment. I mean, a lot of us deal with these voices of self-judgment. Am I good enough? Does God love me? Can I be accepted? Am I living up to God's standard? And we've completely perverted this rhythm that has been intended to be a blessing to us into a rule. And it's separated us from God, from one another, and even from a right understanding of ourselves. Brooksy K.V., pastor and author in his book Reunion, says this. He says, when we pursue the rules instead of the ruler, the laws instead of spirit, the sacrifices instead of the one who became the last sacrifice, we're not getting closer to God. We're reaching for an obsolete system that God has long since abandoned. Jesus came to clear the way for a more direct intimacy with the Almighty. Jesus' desire for us was to clear the way so that we could have access to relationship with our creator as we were always intended to. But we keep kind of putting up these barriers that often disguise themselves as religious practices and they serve to keep us from the one who wants to know us. But if we too quickly go to the place of simply saying then we don't need anything, we need no structures, like we just kind of need to be free to do whatever, well, we weren't really made to do that. We are creatures of habit. And so if we aren't intentional about the habits that we develop, we will unintentionally develop habits. You will form habits. You have habits. You have rhythms of your life. And if they are not ones that you have cultivated intentionally, they are ones that you have cultivated unintentionally. 
you and I are creatures of habit. And those habits shape us. They make us who we are. Again, Tish Harrison Warren, another author. This is my last author quote. I know I have a lot of them today. But she says this, our habits shape our desires. Simple but really true, right? Our habits shape our desires. What we do again and again teaches us what we love, who we love. I love what Laura mentioned this morning about the worship song, right? Because sometimes we can approach these worship songs as um, inauthentic, right? Because they state things that we don't always feel are true. And there's one way to approach these songs where we say, well, this isn't real. That, like, this is demanding that I put on a happy face and pretend that things are true that aren't. Maybe I don't actually feel this right now. But I love how Laura said, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to get the quote wrong because we didn't plan this ahead of time, but it was something to the extent of one of the women who, who sang this before said, sometimes I sing this because I believe it, and sometimes I sing it so that I can believe it or until I believe it, something like that. And I think that's beautiful because that's really how we work. We don't always, we don't always love well. And what we do shapes who and what we love and how we love. And so part of the practice of things like singing these worship songs is to shape our desires, to shape our loves, even when we don't kind of feel it at, you know, at a guttural level, like, oh, I feel so great about this, right? Sometimes we don't at all. Sometimes we enter into these practices to teach us how to love, to teach us what it means to be in relationship with God and others. That's why these rhythms are so important. And so even as Jesus kind of tears down this, the, the barriers of religion, he invites us into new rhythms of relationship. I mean, a great example is think about the Lord's Prayer. Now, for some of us, we had this experience growing up where every Sunday we, we recited the Lord's Prayer to the point that it kind of became um, just another thing that we said. It had really no meaning for us. And so I get that. Maybe your experience was that, and, and when you hear that thing, you're like, oh, it's just another religious ritual. But when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, he says, pray like this, right? And so he gives them the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever and ever. Amen. That was the King James Version. I don't know what version you learned. But um, he gives us this, and, and there's one way to do it where we recite that. We did that last week, actually, with Carmen, and it can be very meaningful and helpful. But it's not intended to be, here's the thing you have to do every time you pray. It gives us a rhythm to shape our desires and our relationship with our Creator. I mean, think about it real quickly, right? It starts out, our Father, right? It teaches us to relate to God as a parent who loves us. It invites us into this space of recognizing that there is an alternate kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not just a kingdom that someday we'll get to after we die, but that we get to enter into right now as we live in the way of Jesus. Right? And so it also invites us to think about bringing our needs to God. Give us this day our daily bread. It, it, it reminds us of our need for forgiveness. Forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our debts. 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Reminds us of the presence of evil in the world, right? All of these things, it can be really useful to recite. I, I recite it every day. But not as a cage that we have to stay in, but as a foundation or a framework that helps us understand who is God and who am I and what does it mean to live in relationship with God in the world. In that way, it's a gift. It's a rhythm that leads us to deeper intimacy with our creator and moves us out into deeper intimacy with others and even helps us better understand our own nature and what we need from God. You know, one of the things I think about when I think about these kind of rhythms, I think about my relationship with my wife, right? It's my my most intimate relationship. But we have to be intentional if we want to cultivate that intimacy in that relationship and and to have good connection. Um, You know, we've, at different times, we've done date nights. Um, We've done other things to kind of just have touch points, whether it's, hey, let's connect right after the kids go to bed, or let's sit down and even just watch a show together, but something, some regular rhythm of reminding us that we're in this together, that we're partners. We don't always do that well. Sometimes, even though our intentions are to be connected with each other, life gets busy. We've got four kids after all. We've got all all sorts of extracurriculars and things like that. Our lives get busy, and so even though we don't intend to not stay regularly connected, we just get busy doing other things, and before we know it, we just, we're not as connected as we want to be. And this is how our lives work. It's, It's certainly how our lives work in relationship with our spouses, but also with other friends, and it's how our lives work with God. If we simply go about unconsciously, we might want to know God deeply. We might want to be people who are being transformed into the character of Christ. But if we're just kind of hoping that happens, it won't. Our lives will be shaped by whatever it is that comes in and develops our habits. And, and whether that's, you know, checking our social media feed every time we have a few seconds or, or watching whatever news outlet that we choose or, um, you know, spending time gaming or whatever books we're reading or whatever. And all of that stuff, nothing is inherently bad in and of itself in those things. But when we allow those things to be the primary forces that shape our habits, then they will also shape our character and they will shape our lives and they will determine who we become. So we need to be intentional. If what we want is a growing relationship with our creator, intimacy with our creator, a character that is being shaped to reflect the life of Jesus. A community of people where we're actually learning what it means to do life together. And a life of actively loving our neighbors. If those are the kinds of things we want, then we have to be intentional about, intentional about choosing rhythms that shape us in those ways. Rhythms of relationship. Rhythms of relationship, again, with God with ourselves, with others, with our neighbors. Not rules to follow. Not bars that we have to live up to in order for God to like us. But rhythms of relationship that cultivate intimacy and that set us free to be fully alive. Now, there's lots of different things that could be that, right? So we, you know... 
gathering weekly, even though we can't do it physically now, connecting weekly in this way is one way to do it. That can't be the only way. These daily readings of the Gospels is one opportunity. Maybe it's connecting with a friend who is also desiring to know and love God and become more like Jesus. And the two of you or three or four regularly processing what that looks like together. It's developing rhythms of prayer in your life. Rhythms of silence. Whatever it might look like for you. Rhythms of connecting with your neighbors. There's a lot of different ways this can look and that the idea behind here is not here's the rigid structure that you must implement in your life in order for God to be happy with you. But simply, if you and I want intimacy with God, it's going to come because we develop rhythms of relationship to cultivate that intimacy. So as we bring this time to a close, I would simply just want to invite you to reflect on what your rhythms of relationship with Christ are. Do you have any rhythms that you've established to, to get to know your creator, to know Christ, and to know what it means to follow him? And if not, that's not to judge you, but simply to help you recognize if what you want is intimacy with Christ, if what you want is to become someone who's learning to follow him, it's not going to happen accidentally. It's not going to happen because of something I say or something Andrew says. It's going to happen because you're going to choose to develop rhythms in your life that get you there. So I want to invite you to reflect on that. I'm going to say a prayer for us. We're going to move into a final song. And if you need help kind of processing what that could look like for you, Andrew or I, and there's a number of other people here that we'd love to help you connect with, we would love to help you think about what could some healthy life-giving rhythms look like in your life. We have some, some things we're doing as a church you could jump on, but there might be other things you want to do as an individual. But these rhythms are to be a gift that set us free to live life in intimacy with our Creator. And that's something that we all want, even if we've had bad experiences with religion. Let me pray for us. Father, um, <clears throat> I, I recognize personally that I tend to be someone who lets, lets rhythms kind of happen to me. Um, before I know it, I turn around and my time has been swallowed up by all of these other things. Would you help me and would you help my friends who are listening who desire to develop relationships or rhythms that move them deeper into relationship with you, would you help us to, to begin to take steps in that direction? To make choices that help us move towards intimacy and connection with you, a better understanding of who you have made us to be individually, what it means to live in relationship with others who are following you together, and what it means to live in relationship with all of our neighbors all of those around us. Teach us the rhythms that will bring us life. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.